And wow, that's about the only word I can think of. Huge day for Canada and anybody who's really into space. Canadian astronaut Jeremy Hansen will be joining the Artemis II moon mission next year as a mission specialist, making him the first non-American to do this type of mission. Hansen said during a news conference with NASA this morning that Canada's partnership in the moon and the moon mission can be credited to American leadership and Canada's can-do attitude. He's a master of science in physics, an F-18 pilot, and a Canadian astronaut. Your mission specialist, Jeremy Hansen. Thanks, Victor. Awesome words. What I, uh, what I wanted to highlight for all of you today is, uh, well, you know, big picture when I step back, there are two reasons why a Canadian is going to the moon. That makes me smile when I say that. <laughs> uh, the first one is American leadership. It is not lost on any of us that the United States could choose to go back to the moon by themselves. But America has made a very deliberate choice over decades to curate a global team. And that, in my definition, is true leadership. A body, an entity that seeks out others who can contribute, allows them to rise up, lifts them up to make their contributions to bring their genius. That is American leadership. And as a Canadian, I am very proud to reflect that back to you, and I am grateful all Canada is all of Canada is grateful for that global mindset and that leadership. So thank you. The second reason is Canada's can-do attitude. For <laughs> yeah. For decades now, literally thousands upon thousands of Canadians have risen to that challenge to bring real value to the international partnership with respect to space exploration, to bring real solutions. Our scientists, our engineers, the Canadian Space Agency, the Canadian Armed Forces, across government, all of our leadership working together under a vision to take step by step and all of those have added up to this moment where a Canadian is going to the moon with our international partnership and it is glorious. So at the end of it all, I am left in awe of being reminded what strong leadership, setting big goals with a passion to collaborate and a can-do attitude can achieve. And we are going to the moon together. Let's go. Well, historic day for Canada indeed with the Canadian astronaut joining that mission to the moon. 
to be sure it's orbiting around the moon. But first time up to the moon since 1972, so this is going to be huge. Joining us is Andrew uh, Ferreira. He's the Speaker's Chair with the Royal Astronomical Society of Canada, the Vancouver Centre. Andrew, thanks for being with us. Big day indeed, eh? Oh, I'll say. It was a good way to wake up. I don't usually like Monday mornings, but uh, I'll, I'll make an exception for this one. <laughs> and this one really caught us all by surprise, I think. Uh, they kept this under hat, didn't they? Uh, they kept under hat that it was going to be uh, Jeremy Hansen, but We've known actually for uh, a while that there was going to be a Canadian on one of the uh, uh, Artemis missions, and I can't remember exactly what it was, but uh, in the last couple of years, they narrowed it down to this mission, which is going to be Artemis two. Why is this important? I mean, well, there's the profile, of course, but why is the actual research, the, the mission itself, why is it important? Uh, you can kind of think of this as the very first um real mission with this brand new generation um, of, of moon tech, right, of stuff to get us to lunar orbit, to get us down potentially uh, to the lunar surface um, as a training run for all of the procedures that might need to happen on any lunar mission. Um, so this is really kind of a dress rehearsal um, for when we do finally send astronauts, uh, you know, down to the moon um, in, in the coming years. And there was a great deal of talk about this because, well, this first mission, by the way, is going to take place next year. So we're talking, it's a pretty quick turnaround. Uh, They're going to circle and they're talking about a landing being possible sometime shortly after that. Yeah, so they're hoping, and the original timeline for the Artemis missions has has dragged behind a little bit. Um, They were originally hoping to have boots on the ground this, uh, sorry, in 2024. Um, but that's been pushed back to, I believe, no earlier than 2025. And I believe that's probably going to slip as well. But we are looking in the next three to four years uh, at the return uh, of, you know, a semi-permanent this time, uh, human presence to the lunar surface. You know, back in the Apollo days, uh, at no point did we ever think, OK, this is a semi-permanent presence. It was only, you know, a quick few days down and then we're back to Earth. Um, but this is really setting the stage for the establishment of, of a permanent habitat with semi-permanent, uh, you know, human habitants who will be, you know, living on the moon, doing science, uh, doing research. Um, so this really is kind of like the first uh, dress rehearsal. Wow, that's incredible when you think of it. Um, and they're holding out hope of that, that that can happen in the next decade, that you could set up some sort of uh, research facilities with people in them. Uh, I hate to use the word manned because it's not just men, but uh, it's going to be a uh, staffed, fully human uh, research facility, quite possibly, right? Uh, that's correct. Yeah, they're hoping to have it set up on uh, the lunar south pole, um, and that's so that it's always in view uh, of the Earth, because if you were to set it up, Um, You know, in any other spot, there might be instances where we might lose communication. Um, But setting it up on the South Pole, uh, first of all, helps them, you know, communicate with the Earth at a constant rate. Uh, But also, second of all, uh, it helps us uh, actually learn about how to exploit resources on the moon. Um, And I mean this in a scientific way, not in a we're going to ship it back to Earth and sell it. That's still in the future. Um, but, you know, to find stuff like water, to find stuff like hydrogen, to find stuff like uh, other minerals that we might need to, you know, potentially 3D print rockets on the moon, which is a very real thing, I promise. 
This is going to mean so much for science, uh, not just in the post-secondary and research level and corporate level in this country, but also for science uh, right in the classrooms for K-12, to isn't it? Oh, this is going to be huge. Um, you know, it, it's been so long, um, you know, since we've had any real, you know, kind of, I don't want to call it a renaissance, but a renaissance in, in interest in, in, in astronomy and spaceflight. Uh, but we're starting to see, and this is only the first step, right? Artemis II is just the very first step of this, of, you know, astronomers, Canadian, American, and, and all others, who are really going to be heading out, you know, into space once again. You know, it, it's been decades, you know, since the Apollo days, right? And the Apollo days, you know, it's, it's you know, I think it's important to mention that it is or was the result of geopolitical posturing, first and foremost, yeah. right, um, between the United States and the Soviet Union at the time. Uh, and it would be, I would be remiss if I said that this wasn't going to be something similar, because we are entering a brand new space race, except instead of the United States and the USSR, uh, we're now seeing the United States uh, and the European Union, as well as Canada and Japan tagging along, uh, and Russia, and, and now China as well, and China's space uh, uh, and uh, ambitions as well as their program have accelerated tremendously in the last decade and a half. Andrew, so would you the, also say it's a space race not just between countries now, but it's also a space race between government or the public sector and private corporations? And uh, the and the uh, and the private sector is making it incredibly, incredibly competitive. You know, you've seen the amount of progress that companies like SpaceX have made uh, in you know barely fifteen years, right? The SLS, which is NASA's new moon rocket, um, it's essentially a rehash of the Saturn V with, with improvements, you know, here and there. Whereas, and, you know, this has been, you know, 50 odd years in the making, whereas SpaceX is essentially, you know, gone from, you know, nothing to, you know, heavy rockets able to supply the International Space Station uh, in a decade and a half. So the private sector is really putting the pressure on, you know, public institutions like NASA, like the Canadian Space Agency, uh, to innovate and to innovate fast. Exciting day for space and technology, Canadian style. The announcement today that Jeremy Hansen will be joining Artemis II. He's a Canadian astronaut and uh, going to the moon. We'll be circling the moon coming up in the, not this year, but the next year after that. Our guest is Andrew Ferreira. He's a speaker's chair with the Royal Astro- Astronomical Society of Canada, the Vancouver Centre. Andrew, what does this mean in terms of the profile now for the Canadian space program? Well, and I, I want to take this opportunity to also call back to something that's related to the space program, and that's our armed forces. Uh, and I want to call back to the Avro Arrow, um, which, you know, if you're Cancel in the right project circle, back in the 60s, you've heard uh, about towards the limit of ad nauseum. Um, Canada's always been. Uh, punching above their weight in terms of what we accomplish on the technology side of things. Um, You look at the Canada arm, right? The Canada arm initially on the shuttle, now the space station. uh, And the entire reason that Canada has a seat on this mission Artemis II is because uh, we essentially bartered with NASA saying, we'll build you a Canada arm three for your brand new lunar station, which will be called the Lunar Gateway. Uh, And in exchange, why don't you give the Canadian astronaut a seat? And NASA was like, that sounds like a fair deal. So, you know, Hopefully, and here's what I'm really hoping, that this kind of elevates Canada and the public perception in terms of space, because we have some of the, the, the world's leading, for instance, satellite manufacturers. MDA uh, has an office in Richmond, B.C., right? It's right there. 
you know, we have a lot of expertise. The legs on the Apollo mission uh, for the Eagle lander were made just outside Montreal. So the very first part of the Apollo missions to touch down on the moon was Canadian. Um, you know, we've been punching above our weight for decades, and I hope that, you know, this just kind of spurs us to continue to do so. Well, when we punch above our weight and we have such a high-profile thing like this, and uh, if you take a look at Jeremy Hansen, uh, you don't get a better picture of uh, what a poster child might happen to look like for a Canadian astronaut than him. Um, and uh, a, an amazing credit to the program. But uh, what does this mean for those who wanting to go into uh, the science and technology related to spaceflight in this country? Well, now the doors have been flung wide open, right? We're finally entering an era where spaceflight, either, you know, with a public entity like NASA or privately, um, is becoming a very real thing in the very near future. Um, and of course, you know, you know, you can obviously say, you know, in the classrooms, in our elementary schools, our middle schools and high schools, this is going to be something that will be keyed in on, rightfully so. Uh, it's a huge moment uh, of what I would think as national pride, right? This is something to be very proud of. Uh, but even for, you know, people who are, you know, in that break, you know, trying to think of what to do for university or maybe people who are even thinking uh, of what to do next after their, you know, for instance, their bachelor's in a science or something or engineering. Right. This is, you know, I think worth pause to realize that, uh, you know, to be an astronaut, as time goes on here, uh, you're going to have to be less of a, less and less of a superhuman. Right. Um, you know, you look at the resumes for some of the other astronauts, not even touch on Jeremy Hansen, like Joshua Kutrick, for instance. Mm-hmm. You know, he's got a bachelor's in mechanical engineering. He's got a master's in space studies, a master's in flight engineering, a master's in defense studies. He's got an airline transport license. He's got all sorts of fighter pilot licenses. Uh, you know, these people are as close as you can get to superhumans, right? Uh, another one of our up-and-coming astronauts, uh, Dr. Jennifer uh, Seide Gibbons. You know, she's got a bachelor's in mechanical engineering, a PhD in engineering. Uh, she's an she's a lecturer. So even the arts come into this. You know, as much as we want to put scientists and engineers and whatever up into space, uh, there's room, and I think there's a necessity for folks who aren't superhuman in a sense uh, to be up there to help communicate. Yeah, What's happening? you're definitely getting academics on top of everything else. I mean, they're, they're superstars in every category. No, for sure. And you look at uh, former Commander Chris Hadfield. You know, the man essentially shot a music video in space. Like, it does not get any cooler than that, I don't think. And a um, singer, yes. Yeah, I know. So, you know, there's a whole lot to do when it comes to space. And this kind of new era where you don't need to be, you know, a quote-unquote superhuman uh, to make your, to, you know, to take your shot and have a chance. I think that that's huge uh, for everyone, you know, whether you're thinking of becoming an astronaut or looking at the potential of, you know, being a private citizen who just takes a quick jaunt up above 100 kilometers. Um, I hope this kind of helps to in, inspire uh, a little bit of pause in you to take a look up at the sky sometimes. Uh, it's hard to kind of remember that there's an entire universe out there when all you're thinking about is, uh, the bills and the rent and, you know, work assignments and emails. Um, I think it's important for us to to pause and breathe uh, and appreciate where we are uh, in the universe. Great and words. This is a good and first step. Fantastic thoughts. I totally agree with you. And uh, it's amazing to see the different backgrounds. It's not just uh, flight aces coming out of the military. You have to be so much more now. But uh, superhero, I don't know. Uh, academic Definitely in this case. Andrew Ferreira, thanks for spending time with us. Yeah, no, thanks for having me, Bruce.